putting out fruit like mad, right? Praise the Lord. So, since it's a little transition time, this, this afternoon at 1 o'clock, um, at 2 o'clock, at 2 o'clock, this afternoon at 2 o'clock, <laughs> we will be, uh, we're going to be there early, obviously. Um, we're heading to the cabin to celebrate Colton's graduation party. And so uh, we invite you all there. What we do ask is that no one drive down there. We, we do have a couple of things. We've got a golf cart, four-wheel drive golf cart. <laughs> and uh, with so passengers can ride on that and then also a trailer and four-wheeler like we always did. But it's wet down there. Does that make sense? And I'll wreck the road if we have too many people down there. So we're doing our best to keep that. There is parking right across the road where we always park. It says right there, parking right there. Please, we'd love to have you. Um, stay as long as you want. We'll have, we'll have a bonfire afterwards and, and, and just a, a time of getting together. These are important for families. And I'm talking church families, right? It's important to get together and just talk with each other about your day or your week. Otherwise, we can't do the, the gifts that God has given to each and every one of us. It's impossible. Uh, the more we're together, the more we can uh, use the gifts that God graciously has given to us. So I encourage you to come. Um, I'm missing this. Okay. <laughs> All right. So please come, and uh, we really appreciate your fellowship. It would be a lot of fun. So uh, if you don't know where it is, um, it's across from the Cowhorn Crossing on Danson Road. Um, you'll see a bunch of cars parked there. So please, 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 please come. All right. We are, uh, I should have been doing this while I was talking, but I'm not very good at that. I have, uh, in order to, uh, here's what I've been doing. I've been having all the sermons online on PowerPoint. And eventually those sermons get to be 300 pages long. Do you know how hard it is to deal with that? So I'm condensing things a little bit and I'm putting the service on PowerPoint as a separate PowerPoint now and see how that goes. And then hopefully each sermon will be on a different one. Um, so that will be helpful, hopefully. That's my, my goal. So I apologize for the fumbleness here uh, as starting this one. We are in Romans chapter 12, so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me there to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and now we're down 4, 5, and 6, actually. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. What is the motivation for us being a sacrifice? By the mercies of God. Knowing God. Knowing God and who He is and what He's done. By the way, I was just going to say this and I forgot. But did you notice the song said he came, commands the newborn baby's cry? How many of you saw that? Lake didn't get that memo. <laughs> I've never heard him cry. If 
Do you want to... Mom saying, oh my goodness. <laughs> but uh, anyways, I, I just thought of that as I was thinking that, well, I've never heard him cry. He just didn't get it. Anyways, the mercies of God are the motivation. And this is our worship. This is how we worship. We worship by serving God, right? Serving God, serving others. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't let the culture of this world saturate us and look like them. Act like them, but be transformed by how? The saturation of Scripture. Renewing our mind with the Word of God. Constantly finding new things about the Lord. What He's done, where He is, who, he's, who, who He is, what He's doing. That, and then, so that why? That you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. I would say, this world has not gotten this memo. Because this world is certainly not, we can't know what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect, apart from God's Word. Because nothing in this world is that. Man has depraved it so bad. It, it's just, it's so wicked, this world is. And it's not getting any better. Matter of fact, one person told me, and, and, and I understand where he's coming from, said, you know, it's been bad like this before. Nothing new is under the sun. It's true that nothing new is under the sun. But there's a whole lot more people doing a whole lot more bad things. And it's going to be. Matter of fact, the Bible says it very clearly during right before the millennial kingdom. It will be as bad as it's ever been or ever will be. So it does get worse. <clears throat> For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. And that's what we're dealing with now. We're humble in our salvation because it was God that gave it to us. We are humble in our giftedness because it's God what gave it to us. We, are, we should be humbled every day but we can actually breathe because without God's working, we are no longer here. We are nothing. For just as we have many members in one body, and all members do not have the same function. By the way, this pride thing will come along here again shortly. So, we who are many, would all the many say amen? Will all the many say amen? amen. All right. You, we who are many, are one body in Christ. We're unified in Christ. We all have functions. And even though we are all many, we are individual and one body, we are still individual members of that body. We perform different tasks. We've been given different responsibilities. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Again, are these, where do these grace come from? Where do these gifts come from? Did we conjure them up in and of ourselves? Did we go to school to learn them? We were given the gifts, and I would tell you there's nothing wrong with going to school. I praise the Lord for school. I am learning so much by studying. It doesn't give you the gift. It strengthens, it, 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 it enhances, if you will, the, the uh, I shouldn't say enhance, that's not the right word either. 
it, it helps you with those gifts. Use them better. Let's put it that way. Each of us is to exercise them according, accordingly, according to the text. If prophecy, according to the portion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. He who exhorts, in his exhortation. He who gives, with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. And then I showed you this little boy, right? And all the different parts. This is the picture that Paul is trying to give us. We are many members, but yet one body. And you take away any of these members that are focused on in this picture, that, that body is handicapped. Just like the church. If, if the people in the church do not perform and do not serve with the gifts that God has given them, the church is handicapped. The church is held back. And so we went through this last week. I shared that with you. Their main passages for spiritual gifts are Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, which is where we're at now. And these gifts are t- given to believers during the church age, right here. Romans 12, definitely. Now, there are other gift passages, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, and 1 Corinthians 12, 28. There are more, and Ephesians has some other ones. And there are multiple gifts there, but some of those gifts are speaking in tongues, defining prophecy as only a forth or foretelling of future events, uh, the word of wisdom given by God. And I would argue this, and I, I think this is very important. I understand that those are gifts mentioned in the book of Acts, used in the book of Acts, mentioned in 1 Corinthians, mentioned, I think, even in Ephesians. But the point is this. We have to be careful about this principle. I think we need to understand this. The way people talk about tongues, prophesying, and word of wisdom, words of knowledge, those types of things, it dictates that God is giving you some words. How many understand that? Let me ask you. If God had given you some words, those words are now what? They are inerrant scripture. Right? Let me ask you, is there a place in the Bible that says that the book is closed? And if anybody adds to it or takes away from it, then what? All the plagues of this book fall upon them. This is nothing we should be messing with. Now, eventually, not today. Today we're in the text. We're talking about church that everybody would agree with, except this prophecy one's kind of a little hairy with some, but everybody is for today. I will give you evidences in Scripture that the gifts used during the book of Acts were transitional gifts because the Word of God was not there. They didn't have the Bible. Let me ask you, did Paul get words from God? Yes or no? Yes, and he wrote the New Testament, much of it. Did Luke? Yes, and he wrote Luke. Did Matthew? Did Mark? Did uh, um, uh, Peter? Thank you. John? 
These guys were given words of God and it was written in the text. And we will talk, we'll discuss that, but not today. How many, does that make sense? So we're not talking about, some people call them sign gifts. What does a sign mean? To prove that I'm of the Lord, in essence. I have, I have, I do have the words from the Lord. Listen, okay, that's, that's enough of that. We got that? We understand. We're not dealing with those gifts yet. I think it's important that we probably will deal with those gifts later on in this aspect because it is considered a spiritual gift, right? Tongues are a spiritual gift. They were a I would say they were a spiritual gift. Um, prophesying as in foretelling the future was a spiritual gift. Uh, words of wisdom and knowledge are spiritual gifts. So we need to deal with them, but not today and not until we get through these gifts that we definitely were given for the church age. Does that make sense? All right, so it looks like this. I mean, there's, there's apostleship, there's discernment, there's ministering, there's mercy, there's faith, there's wisdom, there's shepherding, there's uh, teaching, and there's, uh, there's a host of gifts that God has given to us in the text, name by name, right? All these gifts are mentioned. But I will tell you what has gone wrong in our churches today, what has gone wrong in evangelicalism today, is we see those... And here's what happens. Number one, our pride gets involved. And we think, oh, I have the gift of, and then they'll pick one, and then they'll just go with that, and that's what they're going to do, and that's what they always do, and they can't. How many understand what I'm saying? These aren't gifts individually that tell us what you are gifted as. In other words, you could take all these gifts and throw them into a ball and it might be somebody's giftedness is that unique conglomeration of gifts. Does that make sense? Let me explain it maybe a little differently. Like I said last week, Josie's gift is Josie. It's a blending of many different gifts to be the gifted person we as Northland need in this church. And you could do that with anybody in this room. With Scott, with Bob, with whoever. We're uniquely gifted. We're a, we're a, remember I said like the paint palette? How many remember that? It's a bunch of different colors and it's all mixed up and that's your color. I praise the Lord that my daughter helped me this week. She helped with the sermon. Where is she? I don't even see her now. Got it. As we look at this video, I'm going to show you, which my daughter made for me. I want you to pay attention to what happens when the colors are no longer there when your gift is absent in the church. Not only with the gift of what we see, but what we hear. Because let's just be honest, I think I can put this here without it going, right? Yes, okay. This picture is full of colors. Is it beautiful? What are we seeing? We're seeing 
a guy fishing. It's fall. He's in the mountains next to a stream in a log cabin. Oh, this is heaven. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> but it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. This picture I'm trying to express is kind of like Christ in that you can see so many things of what this artist was doing. And man, look at... And we get an idea that he, he, he likes light. You see the light kind of changes colors as it goes away from the building and the reds and against the blues and, and, the, and the saturation of the water coming. I mean, you're getting an idea of all the things that artists did. You're getting a picture of what the artist wants you to see. Jesus Christ is our artist. And he's using all these colors to present himself to the world. We are the church. The church is the picture. Are you following this? Now, if, if the artist can't use the red, would it be as pretty? If he couldn't use the yellows or the greens, would it be as nice? People would just pass by this picture. Right? I wonder how many people are, are passing by their only view of Christ, which is seen in the church. You see, Jesus Christ came to this earth as the incarnate Christ, amen? Incarnate man. He is now seen in this world by and through the church. This is what I believe was happening to most churches. And we will, hopefully you can understand it as we go. to the beginning. I know what he's doing. Okay, here's the deal. Isaiah, you need to turn up the volume for me. Got it? I wish I had everything perfect. I'm going to get the picture. We can't see Christ as He is. We can't hear Christ, what He says. It's muffled and weird. Why? Because the whole church is not involved. It's handicapped. Do we understand this? Does that make sense? You might be the red, the white. You might be the guy singing Behold Your God. By the way, that's my favorite song. I love that song. 
Behold our God. Just, and our church loves that song. When you sing it, it's just exploding out of here. And that's the way it should be. But is it? Is it? Spiritual gifts are a ministry to the Lord and His church. It's not about a title nor a prestigious position. It's about service. One of the things that I'm working on in my dissertation, and I'm learning, a lot of people love titles. It makes them feel important. And when they come to church, the first words, I've, I've heard one guy say this, so what, what, can I be an elder here? I don't even know who you are. Do you want to perform the elder services or do you want to be an elder? Is there a difference there? There shouldn't be, but there is. I was sitting down with a, my mentor and I told him, I, I don't even remember what exactly what I said, but I told him, you know, we have 40 people in our church and I couldn't, this is the greatest place I'd ever want to be. This is where God wants me and I love my church. He looked at me almost crying. He said, Tim, you need to come down to seminary and talk to these kids because here's what's going on. These kids are graduating from seminary and they say, if the church isn't a hundred people in the church, if it isn't a triple figure salary, I'm not interested. That's why I'm not a seminary provost, because I'd kick him out. The reality is, it's not about this prestige. Do you know what the word deacon means? Diakonos is servant. Do you know what an elder is to do? He's to his number one responsibility is to preach the word. Teach the word. That means agonizing hours of studying and trying to figure out what the text truly means. What is it trying to say? To feed. In other words, let me ask you, who is the most busy person in your home when it comes to dinner time? Who is that usually? Who usually cooks the meals? Let's me ask that. Daniel does? Wow. <laughs> How many would say most of the times it's the wife that cooks the meals? I'm not saying that's expected. I'm saying that's the norm, okay? I love, matter of fact, we cooked last night. The guys did. The point is this. She serves the family, does she not, in doing that? That is what an elder is to do, to serve. He is to serve, not to lord over. The Bible's very clear about that. 
Ni elder, you layman. Ni idiot, if I'm really believing that. Amen? And so, so when someone comes in and asks that, it's just red flags everywhere. And I don't, I don't pretend to know all these things, but I will tell you this. When someone is performing the work of a deacon faithfully and he loves it, we need to hire that guy as a deacon. Amen? That's what his giftedness is. Especially if he's... I, I, I don't know that I've ever seen this, but I can imagine this. Going up to the man that's been serving the Lord faithfully and all these things, saying, you know, uh, Johansson, because there's none here, <laughs> we'd like you to be an, a deacon. And he's taken back. Well, I just do, this is what I love to do. I, I don't care about the titles. That needs to be the heart of everybody sitting here. What happens when the worker bee decides he wants to be a queen? Becomes a Democrat. <laughs> what happens? That worker doesn't sit there wishing she was something else. He just goes about his business as hard as he can. Amen? He's just doing it over and over and over again. There's no praise. There's no high honor. There's, this is what I'm born to do. This is what you've been born again to do. Amen. This morning, we, um, or t this afternoon, we're, we're gonna, we want to pray, and I want to mention to you Pat Selzer and Bill Pierce. Both of those men need our prayer desperately. Pat is beyond... He needs so much help right now. And to be honest with you, we can't do much about Pat. He's in the hospital. They have sedated him back and forth. He's on drugs, all this stuff to help him. But we can do something for Pam. Amen or oh me? Take those opportunities. Go see her. Call her up. She's not doing well. She's not. We can help that. Well, I don't really have the gift of encouragement. What? What? How many Christians don't have the gift of encouragement? Just serving others is a gift of encouragement. Amen. The reality is, I pray that this church isn't just a black slate of nothingness. But I pray it's vibrant in color and being useful and being explosive for God. Amen? And the way to do that is understand how, what, what has God given, given me that I need to serve others because the more we know God, the more we want to serve other people. And Paul gives us one of them right away in Romans, and that is the gift of prophecy. What is this gift of prophecy? In our Sunday school classes, 
All of us would go, I know, I know, I know, I know. Isaiah, God told him things that would happen in the future. Jeremiah, Isaiah, God told him things in the future. Did God do that with Isaiah and Jeremiah and many others? Yes, they were prophets. And what did they do? Wrote down the Bible, right? But that's not what this word is talking about today. Not at all. To some Christians, God has given the gift of prophecy. And I would argue, on, at, 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 in some sense, the gift of prophecy, in some sense, is given to all Christians. So what do you mean? Well, let's find out what it means, and then we'll figure it out. Prophecy, is it a continuing permanent gift? Or is it like healings and miracles that passed away with the apostolic age? The primary argument for those who maintain it was a temporary sign gift is that it was a revelatory gift only. And I would be in that camp. Therefore, it ceased when the revelation ceased. In other words, when John wrote the last letter of the book in Revelation, the book was closed. We have all that God wants us to know about Scripture, about Him, through the Scripture. If that's not true, and I think it's absolutely true, then how do you know who to believe and who to not believe? There, are, there have been many people that have sat in services where someone gets up and prophesies that something's going to happen, and, and, and it never happens. How many understand that? Shock. They got a word from God. Well, listen, we have the word from God. We have it. Some of these speaking in tongues, and here I'm going to another message, unfortunately. I've got to get it back in my notes, but I've heard of Greek scholars sitting in services where People get up and start speaking in tongues and the guy is just aghast because it's God blank this church or some just wicked nonsense that's being, and it was applauded because they have no idea. So let's just for today stick with the word and let that go, okay? The primary argument is that these gifts that are talked about in Romans chapter 12 are gifts that are prevalent in the local church within each member of the local church. There's going to be gifts of, and you can give the list. We, we will assume that in Romans 12, prophecy is a permanent edification gift. Why? Acts says so and so does much of the other much of other scripture. The passage we just read. What happened? They went to the Jerusalem Council, right? At the Jerusalem Council, they wrote a letter. And then they sent two people, and who'd they send? Barnabas and Paul. They gave them the letter, and then who was there after that? Judas? and Silas, right? So, what were they doing? They were proclaiming the word. They called it, it's really cool. We should go there. How's that sound? Because this is really good. Acts chapter 15. 
At the end of what it's written, so it's back and down in verses uh, 30-ish. Acts chapter 15. Then it seemed good to the apostles and elders with the whole church to choose men among them to send to Antioch. And then they go through and they explain what the letter said. All right, verse 30. So when they were sent away, they went down to Antioch and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered, they delivered the letter when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Judas and Silas also being prophets themselves. Okay, so Judas and Silas prophets just like Barnabas and Paul. Yes or no? In the term prophet here, yes. Did Judas and Silas write any scripture? No. So what is he talking about when he says we are prophets just like them doing what? Encouraged and strengthened the brother how? How? It's in the text. With a lengthy sermon. How many see that? Do you see that? Here's the deal. I love this. With a Short 15-minute blurb. No, with a lengthy message. In this text, what is it saying that prophet is to do? Preach the Word. Preach the Word. <clears throat> the Greek word and the Hebrew word for prophecy simply means to speak forth or to proclaim. That's what it means. It assumes the speaker is before an audience and could mean to publicly speak. The connotation of prediction was added sometime in the Middle Ages. Although many of the prophets made predictions, that was not their basic ministry. Their basic ministry was to preach the Word. For Isaiah and Jeremiah, they came down and they said what God said. And then they wrote it down. They were preachers. No wonder why they wanted to kill him. You know, what would happen if our preachers were like Old Testament preachers? I think Paul Washer gets close. Says it like it is. It's not there to make a scene or, or be pleasable to people. He just says what it is. How many have ever heard Paul Washer preach? He got in front of a chapel and started just destroying how wicked and horrible the current, current Christianity and people are. Just was going after him. This is bad. This is horrible. And, and they need to be saved. And, and the whole, I mean, he just went after him. Unbelievably. And all of a sudden, the whole college campus that was in the auditorium started applauding and saying, Amen, Amen. He looked at him. He turned and he said, I don't know what your problem is. I don't know why in the world you're applauding me. I'm talking about you. That's exactly what the Old Testament guys were doing. Just putting them in the place. Some of you are, uh-oh. 
It means a speaking forth. The gift of prophecy is simply the gift of preaching or the pro proclaiming of the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, But one who prophesies speak to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. That's what preaching is. By the way, why I said that everybody probably has some sense of this, all of us should be proclaiming the Word of God. Amen? In that sense, it's true. But in some senses, it's like as if it's, it's, it's a stronger giftedness. The color is a little bit more prophesying with some people. How many understand that? I'm going to pick on Jake and Josh for, for a second. Because I love them. Because I love them. If I ask Josh to publicly speak, he would gulp and say, yes, I'll do that. Because that's God's... This kid's been teaching our teenagers last... Almost two years, or last year this time. Jake isn't like Josh. Jake, Josh isn't better than Jake. Jake's not better than Josh. But if I were to ask Jake to come up here, stand and read Scripture or pray, he'd like gulp lots, turn red in the face, and say no. But you know what? Jake's got a gentle, sweet heart. Now his brothers say, oh man, what in the world? But his giftedness is different than Josh's. And outwardly it shows differently. They're both extremely useful for the Lord and needed. That's why they're sitting here. I love you guys. But some people, okay, let's go to, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I wasn't going to go there, but right now is a really good time. Since we're talking about the gift of prophecy, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Where did it go? I maybe have the wrong one. Okay, yeah, First Corinthians chapter 14, sorry. This is probably one of the most misunderstood passages in all Scripture, and it's very dangerous. I was taught this as a young man, and that is 1 Corinthians 14 says, Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Prophesy. For the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Many people say, you know, this passage says that everybody should try to be a pastor. That is not what this is saying. 
They get that when it says, um, but especially that you may prophesy. Here's the reality. The church should love and applaud, and not applaud the person, but applaud and, and just want to be together in prophesying. In other words, you love the preaching of the Word of God. Amen? That's what he said. Hey, earnestly, you should be there. You need to be there to hear the Word of God preached. You want to be there to, pre to hear the Word of God preached. That's the idea there, not this idea. And I, I say that because it was taught to me differently, and it just didn't make sense. God didn't put 500 preachers in a 500-member church. Amen? Not in the prophecy that we're talking about. Yes, we all proclaim the Word, but this is, a, this is, a, this is like heavily gifted this way. Um, during the Old and New Testament periods, and throughout history, by the way, I'm, this is not original with me. I'm taking some information from Dr. MacArthur just because I get excited and I get it wrong sometimes. How does that make sense? Misspeak? Anybody? So, during the Old and New Testament periods and throughout history between and since, the Lord has always had equipped some of His saints to speak for Him with special power and effectiveness. In 1 Corinthians 14.1, Paul urges believers in general to pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, which all of us have, but especially that you may prophesy. He makes the same plea again in verse 39. The apostle is not suggesting that every Christian should seek personally to have a gift of proclamation, but that all Christians collectively should want that gift to be ministered amongst themselves. Craving the preaching of the Word. Does that make sense? Craving that. Why would we crave that? So we know more about the Lord. Amen. Throughout chapter 14, Paul contrasts the gift of tongues, a sign gift needing interpretation before either believers or unbelievers can understand it, with the gift of prophecy, which has the specific purpose of edifying everybody who hears it. Believers today, with the gift of prophecy, are empowered to speak forth, not according to their personal subjective faith, but according to God's already revealed objective faith, the Word of God. It's to preach the Word of God. The primary purpose of prophecy is given in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 19 verse 10 says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We preach Christ crucified. Have you heard that before? That's the preaching of the Word of God. Now, that does not mean Christ is found in every nook and cranny of all of Scripture. How many understand that? For instance, all, all prophecy is not about Christ. A lot of it is. But all of it isn't. Much of it is. Folks, 
There, there are people who believe everything, all prophecy, all of it was fulfilled when Jesus Christ came and died on the cross. That's not true. If that's true, there's no millennium. There isn't. If that's true, there's no literal reigning of Christ on this earth. And there is. Revelation chapter 20. <clears throat> Prophecy can never deviate from the Word of God written. As Paul makes plain when he says, if anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. The gift of prophecy is the Spirit's special enablement of a Christian to testify of Jesus Christ. Your giftedness, listen, I will tell you this, your giftedness of serving others is showing others Christ. Amen? Preaching the Word is showing Christ. Encouraging each other is showing Christ. Correcting each other is showing Christ. This prophecy is according to the proportion of faith, the Bible says in our text. What does that mean? Proportion of faith. The first spiritual gift in the list is prophecy. This prophecy that he's talking here has to be the serving permanent gifts, not the temporary gifts. The Old Testament or New Testament prophet might speak direct revelation, but could and did also declare what had already been revealed. For instance, what did Paul do when he was going to the churches preaching? What was he preaching? The Old Testament. Why? It's the written word. What are we preaching today? The Old and New Testament. Why? It's what we have of the Word of God. The gift of prophecy does not pertain to the content, but rather to the means of proclamation. In other words, all gifts are serving gifts for Christ. But this gift of prophecy is a pro loudly outward in front of people proclaiming the word. That's the difference in the serving. So therefore, let's just get this right. The guy that's cleaning the toilets is serving God just as much as the guy proclaiming the word of God from the pulpit. He's serving Christ. Therefore, whatever your gift is, serve Him with all you have and you will enjoy the, <laughs> you will enjoy the joy God has given you in doing that. Prophecy has the literal meaning of speaking forth. God used many Old Testament prophets to foretell the future, but that was never the indispensable part of the prophetic ministry. When God called Moses to deliver Israel out of Egypt, Moses gave the excuse. What did he say? Moses, go down there and get my people out of Israel. How many remember that? What did Moses do? I, when I viewed this, I viewed Jake and Josh. I literally did. Moses and Aaron. Because here's what Moses did. Moses went to God and said, what are you talking about? I can't talk in front of them. 
So what did God say? He said, I'll, I'll just give you the whole thing. He says, Moses said, I, I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And although it angered at Moses' lack of trust, God said, is there not your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks fluently. You are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I, even I, will be your mouth and his mouth. And I will teach you what you are to do. Amen? <laughs> that's, that is, that's the issue. God has given individuals certain aspect of being able to explain things from the text publicly to a large group of people. That is prophesying. It's prophecy. It's proclaiming the truth. The gift of prophecy is the gift of God being with public, uh, like a public spokesman, primarily to God's own people, to instruct them, admonish them, warn them, rebuke them, Correct them, challenge them, comfort them, and encourage them. Unfortunately, in our culture today, this is what's happening. In our culture today, uh, how many remember the, the, ter- the verse for correction, for reproof? Help me out. For instruction and in righteousness, right? For, there's like three of them correction, reproof, exhortation, correction, truth. Okay. Here's the deal. I'll remember this very clearly. She's a dear lady friend. (laughs) She came up to me and said, Pastor, I like the exhortation part, but not so much the correction and reproof part. And it seems like you preach a lot of reproof and correction part. Do you remember that? That lady must have talked to most pastors in our world today. We have become the preacher in Princess Bride. How many understand what I'm saying? We have. When the most popular preacher in this country says nothing about correction, nothing about sin ever, and he's proud of it, and that's Christianity? He might be a prophet, but a false one. In our society today with the woke movement, men are always to be gentle and lowly. Just like Jesus. Remember? He was always gentle and lowly, right? Not at all. He corrected. He even got angry. Now, men, don't go home, flip the table over and say, Jesus did it. It's not what I'm talking about. But to use a ranching term, most, many, I I shouldn't even say, many preachers have been banded. 
and it's, it's our culture. We will, we will, we will, we will experience the results down the road, and it's not pretty. Men, you are to lead the home. All right, excursus back. We have other examples of this um, in in uh, in Scripture. Let's let's go to First Peter chapter four. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Now, just for a second, whoever speaks, this goes right in what I was telling you. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who speaks the utterances of God. Now, just for a second, think about the utterances of God in the text that are proclaimed. Now, Moses, should we really have done that? Did he say that? What did he say? Matter of fact, what did the apostles say, or what did the writers of the Bible say it was sounded like? Anybody know? Thunder? A great voice from God? I mean, these aren't, there's no femininity in God. He is command, sovereign God. And this is, this is what he's saying in 1 Peter. He says, hey, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterance of God. By the way, this is scary because it's easy to get things a little wrong and say things wrong. You're responsible for that. How many understand that? Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion and forever and ever. Amen. It's not about the preacher. It's about the Word. Amen? It's not about the prophesier. It's about what's being prophesied. And unfortunately, I think pride has gotten in too many ways. And it's been a total reversal. We'll sing 45 songs and it'll be awesome. We'll preach five minutes and we'll get out of here. That's not, that's not, that's not what's intended here. No prophecy is ever made by an act of human will. What does that mean? In context, it's talking about what? Writing of the Word of God. It wasn't by man's will. They didn't wake up, I want to write the Bible. Men were moved by the Holy Spirit. How can you be moved by the Holy Spirit and not be removed in your mind? Renewed in your mind. Did I say removed? Whew. Renewed in your mind. Men were moved by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. Does the Bible get you excited? I tell you what, I don't know what it's like for all different, but it excites me when I learn something new and I just want to give it, but let everybody know. 
I know, we listen. It's exciting, though. No more about God. Since the completion of Scripture, prophecy has no longer been the means of new revelation, but has only proclaimed what has already been revealed in Scripture. That is exactly what prophesying is. That is the term. Preaching the Word of God. The Bible says Paul was telling Timothy, what did he say? Preach the Word. How? Be ready to preach the Word. When? In season. Out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. With all long suffering and truth. The gift of prophesying is simply the gift of preaching. Preaching the Word of God. Now, if a church is without a preacher, is it handicapped? Yes or no? Absolutely. Absolutely. The preacher is supposed to utter the words of God like God wants them uttered. Amen. How many handicapped churches are there in this world? Because of people that are in the pulpit for prestige and not for purpose. be honest with you, I've rubbed shoulders with a lot of preachers recently. And it doesn't go unnoticed. Most of these guys, they say, where do you preach? I preach in northern Minnesota. There's about 40 to 60 people. I'm bivocational. I almost said bipolar. That might be true too. <laughs> but I'm bivocational. And as soon as they hear that word, it's, oh, so when are you going to be a real preacher? I should say, why? Do you know one? Because the arrogance of that comment is horrendous. I serve who God has called me to serve because I love them. Not because I have a Lexus outside. But because this is where God has called me. And there's not a one person in here that I just truly, do, uh, truly care for. Every one of you. You say, well, that should be the heart of the pastor. It should be. It should be the heart of every person that's gifted. Your gift is just as important as this gift. And you should be just as passionate to use that gift sitting in the pew, out in the byways and highways with each other. It's that important to God. The question is, what does our portrait look like at Northland? Is it vibrant in color? Or is it fading black, white to nothingness?
Which one is exalting Christ? Showing the world who He really is. Folks, your gifts matter immensely. It's not just this. This is maybe a mouthpiece. But are we missing the ears and the nose and the feet and the hands? Because the body of Christ demands it. We all play a part. We all revel in a part. Question is, do we? I pray so. Gift of prophecy, preaching the word. Now, and usually there's not very many prophesiers in a church. There usually is one, at least. But the next gifts are plentiful in the church, all over. I pray that we will be attentive and excited about seeing how God can use each and every one of us as we continue. Today we're going to close by Scott Braith coming and praying. And the reason Scott Braith is coming is because this man has a gift that he uses consistently. His gift is no matter what state I am in, I always want to glorify the Lord. He has gone through all hell on earth in some sense of the term. Never batting an eye, always giving glory to God. Doctors in a hospital, why are you so happy? Don't you hear what I just said to you? Because God's in charge. This is Scott, a member of this church, using God's giftedness in the world to picture Christ. I love him for it. He's going to pray for Pat and Bill. Bill's doing well, by the way. Gave me a scare, but he is doing well. Because <laughs> Bill was being Bill. <laughs> Too busy. But he's doing better. Pat is not. So as Scott prays, closes the service, I pray that you would remember these two men specifically, and actually three men, as Scott is learning how to walk again. Heavenly Father, I thank you for, for this church, for, for all the members of the church and all their positions in it, and, and it, what a blessing it is to, to be, have the privilege of coming here and learning your word and, and also learning how to, to get along with others that are in the church. I pray for Pat and his pain. May you please be with him and his doctors as they try to get this in, under control and Pray for his wife, Pam, as she is, is having serious difficulties in dealing with this. And, and I pray that we will be able to help them as we can. I pray for, for Mr. Pierce, that is, his healing will be speedy and that he will be back here soon and being his joyful self. I also pray for that we will all edify each other in all things and we also provide salt to an unsaved world and i pray in jesus precious name amen